0: And we're back. Welcome to the Unriveted podcast, where we dial in on the intersections of digital transformation, artificial intelligence, and people. Our goal with Unriveted is to talk about topics that apply to artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the modernization of process automation. And this, this episode, as always, is brought to you by our favorite uh, sponsor, Wingnut Investments, where tightening your ROI is just a thumb screw away.
1: All right. Sounds good, Martin. So uh, I'm going to ask you, what are we going to be covering today in this episode of Unriveted? What do you have for us?
0: Wow, John. Um, Thank you so much. I'm pleased to uh, welcome in. We have some guests from a company called Exigent. And with us, will be joining us in a moment, will be Rachel Lambert and Ed Farron, And they're going to tell us a lot about why monitoring programs or observability programs are not successful or how to bring them back to success. And with that, Ed, Rachel, can you come on camera? Welcome.
2: Thank you, good afternoon. Thanks so much. Yeah, good afternoon.
0: Good to have you here. So Ed or Rachel, who's gonna kick it off?
2: Perfect. Um, Good morning, everyone. Um, My name is Rachel Lambert. My title at Exigen is Senior Account Executive. However, my role is focused on supporting our application performance monitoring full stack observability team which is run by Ed Farron.
0: Thank you Rachel.
3: Good deal, Uh, so Ed Farron from Exigent really responsible for helping uh, customers in the enterprise uh, deploy and adopt um, observability solutions Um, so we make a big distinction um, between deployment and adoption right so we really focus on the adoption side of the house.
0: Very nice, very very nice. Ed or Rachel, who's going to kick it off for what we're talking about?
3: Um, so I guess I can kick it off. Rachel, feel free to chime in. Perfect. Right. Um, so one of the topics that we uh, often talk about with customers, and when we go out to do these presentations, uh, whether at conferences or other talks um, in our region, is this whole idea of why your monitoring solutions are are failing you, right? Um, customers have a plethora of monitoring tools today, right? Monitoring for the infrastructure, the network, the database, log monitoring. And so there's no shortage of tooling. And the idea is why are we constantly still in this day and age with modern cloud applications, Kubernetes workloads still getting caught off guard with um, not only outages, but just really poor customer experiences, right? Why are teams still caught off guard? Why is there still a plethora of finger pointing right it's not the network it's not the database and so we often talk about you know why uh monitoring is still failing the enterprise
0: interesting so i i take it you may have a scenario to take us through
3: yeah absolutely um so what we uh really help customers understand and how we engage with customers is we've adopted the observability uh trend here but in addition to just uh, tooling and deployment, yet another tool, right? And yet another deployment um, for someone to learn, uh, we really uh, pivot on the adoption side and we identify some key challenges, um, not only where monitoring tools and silos have shortcomings, but also key challenges. And when a company adopts one of these leaders in the observability space, right? Regardless of which vendor it is, um, we often see the same problems over and over again, and that uh, those problems really fall into a couple categories. One, we have a data problem, right How do we gather mm-hmm. the right data and funnel it through the observability platform? and the second one is uh, democratization of that data right how are we How do we get to a point where we 're all talking about the same metrics that people care about and the impact of those metrics on my applications and on my business? Telling me that I get an alert that CPU is at 99%, I generally respond with, who cares? So what? (laughs) It's at 99%. You've had monitoring tools, monitoring (laughs) CPU going off the rails for for years. Um, I care that CPUs are at 99% and it's impacting my ability to take orders, to sign up new Mm -hmm. customers, to pay my bill. And so when those alerts go off, they have to have business context. And that's where we really help... um, customers drive um, the, the whole concept of observability and start to adopt because everyone cares about, can my customers log in? Can my customers transact, mm-hmm. can they order? Um, and so how do all those metrics line up and how do I get visibility um, across my enterprise um, using, using those type of metrics?
0: Interesting. You provided an infographic, which I'll put on the screen here and it, it, it shows um for the people that are on audio only, uh, a picture of a business team, an application team, a network team, infrastructure team, and a security team uh, to the right and, and, and some uh, dialogue that, that they could be pointing at each other of, you know, the, the scenario, whose problem is this or who's to fix it kind of problem. It, it seems like you just walked through that scenario that uh, is a common failing point. How do, how, do you, how do you gain that uh, traction for that adoption?
3: Yeah, it's really, it's really along, the, along the lines of um, starting to come up with a, a taxonomy or a language or a common language mm-hmm. across that customer um, where everyone's talking about the same thing. You know, no customer ever when ordering your favorite um, food delivery service, for example, um, calls in and says, you know, I think the network's a problem, right? And no one calls in and says, I think your database is slow, right? They say, I have a problem placing my order on your website or on your application. And then today, whether it's a consumer-facing application or even an internal application, everything is an application, right? It's either my mobile app or a browser, and so this problem really permeates both for internal customers and external consumers, and it's costing companies unforeseen amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And so when that problem comes in, that ticket comes in very readable, um, I, I, I'm going to back up for a moment. I share also with customers that your customers, internal external, external, they don't call you when uh, they have a problem. Right, and then you know, generally the team laughs and like, "Yeah, you don't know our customers. They call immediately." I'm like, "No, they don't. Your customers call you when they're frustrated, right?" And so, how do you get ahead of frustrated? They've already had a problem an hour ago. They've hit the refresh button. They've restarted the browser or the app a couple times, and by the time you get the ticket, right, it's a, it's a hot and heavy ticket. Your monitoring failed you, right? Um, the customer's already frustrated. It's already a bad experience. And so the way we get out of the the finger pointing business is everyone's talking about why did this customer have a bad experience and what metrics align to that, right? Um, What are the supporting uh, components, whether it's database, network, CPU, log files, right? How do we get all that together? And then now we're no longer talking about it's not my fault, right? We're, Mm -hmm. We're trying to find out why the ordering take a long time. Another key concept here is really focusing on performance. I always tell our our, our customers and share with other consultants that errors are easy. They always yell at you, right? File not found, (laughs) permission denied, right? You know, 404. Errors just (laughs) up scream at you, right? It's when it's a frustrating or slow experience, right? How do you troubleshoot that? And the default is to just blame the network team right? Because we can't find it. The network team is the lowest level denominator. Just go ask them to really find the problem. Um, and, and that, you know, really doesn't lead to to results, right? To resolving these problems and saving money today because the competition is fierce. Um, if my favorite, you know, online mobile app or ordering spot doesn't, doesn't satisfy that request immediately, it's just to flip over to another app and that revenue is gone and your customers are not yeah. reaching out, calling you nearly as much as you think they are.
1: Got a follow-up question for you there, Ed. Um, so, you know, thinking about that because of the, the way that the consumer now, especially if you're, you know, if your business is based around, you know, like a mobile app, like you said in that last example, where basically all it takes is a single failure and that person will delete your app and go to your competitor and download their app and all oh, this one works. And then there you go. And then you multiply that by, you know, however many users you have. And obviously that can add up really quick. So I'm interested in, in, you know, your perspective or recommendation when it comes to, you know, when we think about monitoring, uh, or observability of a system, uh, a lot of times we think about it from taking a reactionary approach, right? Like, so a problem happens, and then an alert is thrown, uh, and then it's up to the internal teams at your organization to address that alert in a expeditious fashion. So when you're working with clients, I'm interested in kind of, or maybe just your own personal perspective, what do you think about, you know, how do we take it from being a reactionary, wait for a problem to happen, and then take action, versus a proactive approach, where it's like, we've identified an issue in the past, we know the solution to it. How do you move from reactionary ways of taking action to proactive ways to address those issues so that they don't become issues anymore or that you can see them coming before they actually
3: happen? Does that make sense? It does, it's a question we get in pretty much every engagement. (laughs) Um, It's the good, better, best. Um, And I used to really not believe that it was possible because sometimes, I. literally have and i say literally intentionally <laughs> not just figuratively right figuratively say literally i literally have customers says we want to know about the problem before it happens and i'm like well that's predicting the future right um that's really hard to do okay and in the good better best scenario what we often see is we have an, a plethora of of noise in terms of these alerts firing off without an attached standard operating procedure Right. And so we have a rule. We will not create an alert without a planned operating procedure. When this alert fires, here's who was notified. Here's what you should do. And then here's what you how you should follow up. Right. Go restart the service. Go tell, you know, accounting. Right. These are the things you need to do. Um, That certainly cuts down on uh, the amount of underreaction, is really what I'll call it. Right. And so. Um, It's not proactive, but it gets us one step further in the maturity model. And the proactive scenario and only a few tools are just starting to get there. um, That's a hard problem to solve because it's really a data problem. What happens is we go get all the right data. We get it from multiple sources, but it's overwhelming for a human to consume. And that's enter the machine, right? I mean, um, so some of the larger vendors are really starting to do a really good job of really deploying true artificial intelligence, not just machine learning. I draw a distinction between the two. I know they're often coupled together. Um, But deploying true artificial intelligence to say, this is too much data for a human to really rationalize and figure out where the patterns are and start to get predictable. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some tools, um, some of the larger vendors in this space um, deploy Uh, automatic baselining, which I think is really good, but still there's a lot of data and there's a lot of skills gap um, across all of that inputs coming into your observability system. Leveraging uh, machine learning and AI, right, to help with that problem for proactive. Standard operating procedures helps you get better at the reactive part, doesn't really get you proactive uh, per se, are the two playbooks that we lean toward. Perfect.
0: Very interesting, Ed. And, you know, John and I have... um, Parallel backgrounds of of dealing with playbooks And in, in in our in our world we're calling them runbooks and you know and, and to your point about alerts and do you really care if um, the CPU is at ninety nine percent for a minute and a half no you don't you, you do you do you care it's at ninety nine percent for three days well maybe that's a different case and so we could talk about that and that's that condition is a little different. That might be uh, overload or under provisioning or you know something went a direction it wasn't supposed to go. Can you talk about maybe some of the vendors and tooling scenarios that you have run across at you find are super beneficial?
3: Sure, absolutely. So just by way of, of heritage, I um, was once employed by Cisco App Dynamics, And so I have a mm-hmm. lot of background um, with the AppDynamics uh, full stack observability. 30 seconds here, I left Cisco AppDynamics, started my own company um, to do exactly what I'm talking about here on this podcast is help customers with adoption. You know, here vendors go, we're easy to deploy, right? Or, and pick the who's who in this space of vendors, we're easy to deploy, we just have this super simple agent, we'll be deployed in no time. And I was constantly getting called back by customers Going, yeah, we deployed it, but we're not using it, right? We're not getting the value out of it. And so that's where we pivoted on adoption, right? Um, and figured out where all those hard problems are. Mm-hmm. Observability is a tough space because it requires a skill set that really traverses multiple disciplines, right? Infrastructure, you need to have some knowledge there, database, uh, application knowledge, logging. Um, frameworks. And then you need to understand the context, the business context and the business problems so you can apply all of that. And so App Dynamics did that uh, for a while, worked with Cisco, um, started my own company, and was uh, over the last two years, about two years ago, acquired by Exeget. And so we're really expanding the practice. And so we also work with um, other APM providers like uh, Dynatrace, for example. Um, and we also work with um, uh, tools like um, Elastic and New Relic. And you say, well, that's everyone, Ed. Well, here's what often happens. Again, we started off from the Cisco AppDynamics space, and that's the large majority of our business. Uh, there's no secret in the industry about that from an exigent mm-hmm. perspective. But oftentimes, these enterprise observability tools, um, they get put in at what we call tier one, right? They take on the, the large, the biggest, the most important applications. And then mm-hmm. we'll have another um, vendor that the that the customer often chooses um, to take on uh, the tier two or the next set of applications. And oftentimes, and this is not a a shot against the capabilities of these other vendors by any stretch, but this is just a pattern that I've seen in our customers. We'll see a new relic or a data dog get a land and start to take on um, uh, some of these tier two two applications. Mm -hmm. And so um, what ends up happening, our average time with a customer is two or more years, in many cases, three or more years. And so instead of just doing a quick project where we get in and help them deploy, we show them how to adopt, and then the next team signs up, and the next team signs up, and two years later, we're still there. So they just keep signing up for more. And during that time, what ends up happening is the customer really understands that we understand observability, not just the tool of choice. And so they ask us to help them with their strategy of rationalizing a new relic or a data dog on those tier two apps along with um, there are other monitoring solutions right with app dynamics or dynatrace so that's how we kind of get into a how we've crept into a mixture of multiple tools over time
0: excellent excellent rachel i i um i would love to know how you knock on the door and you know talk to maybe a cio a cto a vp of infrastructure a business manager and and open the door up for these opportunities when First, you may not even know they they need you yet. How do you go about that?
2: Absolutely, great question. So I would say at Exigent, we take a very consultative approach with our clients and that's because every company is at a different phase of their digital transformation journey. So if a company doesn't have an APM tool like an AppDynamics, Dynatrace, Datadog, we educate them on the importance of moving away from traditional siloed domain monitoring Into full stack observability insights and actions. So depending on the CIO's journey or whichever person we're speaking with, the the Exigen team really works with them from beginning to end and beyond. Like Ed said, most of our engagements are between two to three years. So we do requirements gatherings with organizations to figure out what tool is best for their environment. And then on the other hand, we have a lot of customers who already own some of these magic quadrant tool sets. So that's when the Exigent team provides the additional expertise. And we tie in services around making sure organizations are really deriving the full value out of them. And these tools are properly implemented and then adopted across their environments.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, John, do you have any uh, questions? Uh,
1: Yeah, one question and this is for either of you, obviously. Um, So I think I might've heard Uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it seems like one of the common things that you come across when you deal with a new client or maybe an existing client is that they might have a observability solution and you named a few. So, you know, some of the experience that I've seen and Martin's probably seen too is uh, that seems to be at least common for some larger organizations is the under implementation of these tools where they invest uh, a lot of money into bringing this tool in-house, but then the implementation kind of dies out at, you know, some of the very basic features of that tool, and then it never gets used into its full capabilities as an observability and or uh, explainability tool. So I'm just kind of wondering how common uh, across, you know, clients that you've seen past, present, and I guess maybe future if you want to think about that, um, where you see, you know, they understand the need for observability, uh, and monitoring, but they, you know, they can't push it past like a, a certain, like high level use case. Uh, so do you see that often where you you have clients or have a tool that they've invested in, but they've only kind of used it in a very basic capacity and haven't done a full you know, implementation of all the services that are available to them. And if so, you know, how do you go about developing that, you know, graduated maturity approach for building that capability within their organization?
3: Every customer ever (laughs) to that question more times than not, we get brought in on, on really one or two scenarios. And, and oftentimes these scenarios are unbudgeted, right? it's the house is on fire can you do anything you can deploy right to help me find where the problem is because I have the war room situation where everyone's pointing fingers at each other and we can't find the problem right so can you deploy call back up the fire truck and and, and let's go (laughs) and what ends up happening (laughs) out of that um, if we're not very strategic and following up with them, then you get just that. They own the tool, they put out the fire, and then you know, no one goes back to make sure the smoke alarms are working, right? And and, and the fire hydrants <laughs> are all all set. Um, but when the fire is big enough, then the motivation's there to say, make sure I have smoke alarms. I don't want to have that get burned like that again. And so, you know, that's one of the ways that we end up getting engaged there. But to answer the question about, you know the uh, customer for however they got there, they purchased the tool, they're under-deployed, how do we help them get to deployment? The very first thing we establish is monitoring is a technical capability. Observability Mm -hmm. is a business capability, right? And so we start from the business by getting the attention of those business uh, stakeholders to understand that your customers, right, your your, um, scores around Uh, customer satisfaction that mean a lot to you as a business, right? They translate into revenue, revenue dollars. Here's how we add observability on top of that and support it with all the underlying metrics and data coming from the network, the database, the the infrastructure supporting that. And so we start at the business level, right? And and those goals, and we stay with the, uh, the business teams who care about that application and care about that customer. And the entire company does. But it's hard to get the database administrator to care about the customer why because they were hired right. to care about the database right <laughs> the database is running fine customers you know they're not having the problem with the database <laughs> right um and and so that's how we really change that conversation and approach it
0: right. excellent this has been a good insightful session we appreciate your participation in this and uh, With that, we will call this a wrap of Unriveted. And for those listening in, if you enjoyed our topic, please remember to like us, Ed Farron and Rachel Lambert. Thank you so much. That's a wrap.